This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio with guest host Bob Comsick. And switching gears now from pensions to political tensions, unexpected developments, twists, turns, drama. Well, sounds like a radio or TV soap from back in the day. As the world turns... Or in this case, as the legislature turns and MPs return to work this morning after a few weeks of developments, courtesy of the PC party and its former leader who wants the job back heading into the election. See the connection there with the soap? Anyway, before the session began, the leaders made some remarks. Interim Tory leader Vic Fidelli started off by focusing on the liberals, saying that the PCs will concentrate on defeating the grits this June. But then he turned to the obvious. Have a listen. Now, the past few weeks have not been easy. Uh, We've been tested. Uh, Our party has been tested. And during some of the most difficult days, many people wrote us off. But we, progressive conservatives, have found opportunity in our difficulties. We have found strength in adversity. And we made a commitment to our grassroots that we would ensure that our party is in the best possible position for our next leader going into the June election. Today, our party has never been stronger. We're hitting new fundraising numbers on a daily basis. In the last three weeks, our membership has grown by tens of thousands, with many first-time and many returning progressive conservatives. And our grassroots are looking to get involved to beat Kathleen Wynne and the Liberals, whether it's to knock on doors, work the phones, or put up lawn signs. Our grassroots are responding to our message of change with their time, their support, and quite frankly, with their money. We have a strong caucus, a strong roster of candidates with more to come, And a very worthy person will be chosen at the end of this process to be our party leader and the next Premier of Ontario. We are confident that we will rally behind a new leader and be in a strong position for June 7th. And before we get to the phones, uh, before we get to our guests, rather, who will be joining us by phone, numbers you can call if you wish to chime in, 416-360-0740, toll-free, 1-866-744-740. Now, joining us, political commentators Ashton Arsenault of Crestview Strategy and fellow strategist Jerry Nichols. Welcome. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Uh, Ashton, let's uh, start with you. That long, deep breath kind of sums it up, doesn't it? 
It does. You know, the, the current state of affairs in Ontario politics is really one that if you blink, you'll feel like you're missing something, right? So gone are the days when people were able to sort of bemoan how boring the provincial politics in this province are. And I'll use your reference, Bob. It's a bit like the worst soap opera you've ever seen, uh, but one that you're unable to turn away from. Uh, in terms of that press conference, I think Vic Fideli as an in- interim leader is doing what he has to do, and that's sort of keeping his eyes on the prize. But uh, where the PC party goes next is uh, ultimately going to determine who's probably sitting in the premier's chair after the next election. And what do you, Ashton, I'll get to you in a second here, Jerry. Ashton, what do you make of the latest developments, most notably uh, Patrick Brown jumping back in at the, the 11th hour? Yeah, so there's a couple of things you could you could point to there. But, you know, I, I just want to say... I, I don't think it's a good, uh, a good housekeeping for the Ontario PC Party executive to remove Patrick Brown as a leadership candidate. Um, regardless of your own personal opinions on Patrick, uh, I have tremendous concerns on removing any leadership candidate from the ballot that was able to meet the requirements in the first place. I think this could have terrible long-term consequences for the party. Uh, so to party members who want Patrick Brown out of the race, I have another alternative. Um, go out and support your preferred candidate make phone calls, knock on doors, and get people out to vote, because that's how leaderships are won. Jerry Nichols, now, if I could ask you, and Ashton referred to it as far as um, with Patrick, he still has to go before a nominating committee, basically, to get the, the official stamp, does he not? Well, yeah, that's my understanding of it, and I, I can't see how they could say no to him right now. I mean, he's, I think he has managed over the last couple of weeks through some really clever sort of media strategy to kind of, if not, you know, turn the tide, at least stem the tide in terms of, of, of his reputation. He's kind of rebranded himself. Um, you know, a couple of weeks ago he was a pathetic loser. Now he's a scrappy underdog fighting to save his reputation. So I think he, and he has that kind of support in the party. He has at least some support from his loyalists. So, yeah, I think it would cause more damage to the party to stop him from running enough to allow him to run. Uh, And Jerry, still with yourself, uh, Patrick Brown was not at Queen's Park this morning. Some people were eagerly anticipating that, waiting for the next chapter of this this soap to be written, but campaigning outside Toronto instead. That's the reason uh, his people gave. Now, should he have been there or doesn't really matter that he was not? Well, I think that whole you know, uh, story about Patrick Brown showing up at the legislature kind of emerged around the same time he was musing about the fact that he was still the legitimate leader of the Progressive Conservative Party, and that he was going to go in the legislature and he was going to sit in the leader's chair because that's his rightful spot. Um, of course, since then, he's been kicked out of the caucus, so he's now sitting as an independent MLA. And I saw a picture of where his, his new seat is in the legislature, and let me tell you, if it was any farther away from the action, it'd be in the hallway. Uh, I figured maybe it was right beside the door waiting to punch the tickets, but I guess it's pretty much the same thing. <laughs> and so I think, the, you know, the optics of him now showing up there and sitting you know, way off in, in, the, in, the, in the wilderness of the back benches would not be good for him. So it's, for, from his political point of view, he's better off out there talking to, to PC members and getting his message out than sitting in, than sitting in the legislature. And Jerry, before I get back to uh, Ashton, um, I asked him about uh, about this as far as the latest developments. Um, would you have uh, lost the bet there last Friday that he was back in? I never, I never, I didn't see that coming. I, and I thought, you know what? When I first heard that he was running, I thought, you know, this is crazy. And then when I thought about it a second time, I still thought it was crazy. Uh, but when I thought about it a third time, I'm thinking to myself, you know what? Maybe this is his best move. 
um, you know, he's, he's rolling the die here. He's crossing the Rubicon. He's sort of putting it all on the line. Um, he has nothing, has nothing really to lose. If he wins, he's now leader of the party. If he loses, well, he's no worse off than he is right now. Interesting. Uh, you, you point out there about he has nothing to lose. Uh, meeting with family over the weekend, and uh, this all came up when normally politics would probably be the last thing we would touch on. Being Canadians, you'd be complaining about the, the weather. Somehow the weather would make uh, it into the conversation. But this came up. And when someone commented on the latest development, just like yourself, they said, well, what's the guy got to lose? And if deep down... He is right, and everything that's being said uh, about him and alleged against him is wrong. What does he have to lose? And put yourself in that position. That's what someone, as we were sitting around, said. Put yourself in that position. What would you do? Go quietly, or would you say, oh, yeah? No, I'm not, because you're wrong, and I'm right. So you can kind of almost see, as surprising as this development is and was, you can still kind of see that line of thinking. Yes, absolutely. I, I think you know he's making he's taking a, um, a calculated gamble here, um, but if it works, man, what a payoff! No yeah, kidding. I mean, it, it really is interesting that uh, you know he would go from um, completely without hope uh, to back in the race within a span of two weeks. Uh, you know, as Jerry said, I don't think anybody saw that coming. Friday was as about as high octane and exciting in Ontario politics as I've ever seen. Um, but just to what Jerry was saying about whether or not he should have entered the legislature today, absolutely not. It makes no sense. He's running in a leadership race. All of his other candidates, or sorry, his opponents in that race uh, don't have seats of their own. They're out knocking on doors. They're out making phone calls. They're rallying support and they're fundraising. Patrick Brown even wants to think about being the leader again. That's what he has to do. Okay, now a development this morning I'd like both of you to... Um past comment on a report in the Globe and Mail that uh, Brown discussed a 375,000 deal with a future PC candidate. So for those who haven't heard it, uh, a little bit of background here. Patrick Brown reportedly in talks to sell an interest in a restaurant that he partially owns, as well as some uh, aeroplane miles for close to 375 grand to someone who went on to become a candidate for the Tories. An affidavit detailing this deal was sworn five months before uh, Jas Johal was acclaimed as the candidate in the new riding of Brampton North. Brown denying the allegation, stating that he has no business dealings with him and no deal was ever done. Bank documents around that time show that uh, Patrick Brown uh, bought a waterfront home on Lake Simcoe, $2.3 million. But Brown says family helped him uh, buy the home, just like a lot of people these days are, are getting uh, help in buying a home. Maybe not $2.3 million, but you get the drift of, of what Patrick is saying. Okay, let's start, uh, Jerry, with yourself and then Ashton. Uh, is this much ado, uh, much ado about nothing, or uh, do we have to stop for a minute and look at this? Well, I, I, what I think is interesting at it, sort of looking at it from a tactical point of view, is how Brown responded to this allegation. And, and his response was basically, well, this is, this is people in the party out to get me. Um, you know, this is my, my former staff are betraying me or they're stealing information because they, they want to stop me. So what he's basically doing is taking this and turning it into part of his narrative, which I think is, it's me versus the establishment, right? I'm standing up for the grassroots, and the shadowy elites in the party are trying to stop me. So 
So I think it's interesting that that's the kind of strategy he's using, and I think this is what he's going to continue to use, because I think more of these stories are going to emerge against him, because let's not forget, he's running against his former staffers in a lot of instances. And one of your job as a staffer, when you're working for somebody, is not only to do research on your opponents to find their skeletons in the closet, but you also want to do research on your own guy to find out what skeletons he or she may have in the closet so you can mount a defense if they ever, ever emerge. So they probably have a lot of information on Brown, which they're going to start dropping over the next couple of weeks, and he's probably got information on them that he might start dropping over the next couple of weeks. So what this means is it's going to get a little ugly and kind of nasty, which, of course, makes it even more fun to watch. Yeah, I think Jerry's right there. Look, um, the allegation of essentially... Um buying a nomination, uh, which is on the table here, is, you know, is, is not a minor thing, and it's probably not something that we should lose sight of. At the same time, it is an allegation. Um, just like the previous allegations, Patrick Brown is entitled uh, to defend himself properly. Uh, however, um, with an allegation like this, I believe should come some investigation, at least internally within the party. Um, obviously, something like that should not be allowed to stand. But to Jerry's point, um, that these competing par parties likely have information on one another. I think that's true. Uh, I think you'll see a slow drip uh, over the next couple of weeks, and I expect this to get a little bit more ugly before it gets pretty. Not that it hasn't been entertaining speaking with the two of you, and I want you to hang in there until the top of the hour, Jerry Nichols and Ashton Arsenault of uh, Crestview Strategy. But We'd like you to take part. As I pointed out in the midst of that conversation, this even came up on the weekend on my time when normally we're really not talking politics. Numbers, 416-360-0740. Toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. I'm Bob Comsican for Libby's Nimer. You're listening to Zuma Radio's Fight Back. Fight Back with Libby's Nimer on Zuma Radio with guest host Bob Comsick. Welcome back, and we're talking right now about provincial politics, the PCs, and Patrick Brown. And before we get to our guests and return to our our guests, and uh, the two of them being Ashton Arsenault of Crestview Strategy, as well as Jerry Nichols, uh, someone was listening. The numbers to call 416-360-0740 or toll-free 1-866-740-4740, and you can get on with our guests just like Joyce from Scarborough, who's joining us now. Now, Joyce, welcome. Hi. Um, hi. Okay. Uh, a question's been rolling around in my head. Like, when the, uh, when the so-called supporters left Patrick and went en masse to Mulroney, uh, like, I can see one or two, but has anybody asked that question? And, and like, okay, all these volunteers, uh, like, who pays their salary? Well, we now you've asked the question, so let's put it to uh, to our guests. Who wants to tackle that, Ashton? Yeah, sure. So, in terms of supporters transferring over to candidates, uh, that's certainly something that I've witnessed on the ground. Uh, certainly, wouldn't name any names, but uh, much of Patrick Brown's camp has sort of divvied up. At least the initial camp has divvied up into uh, various leadership races, and I don't think there's been any sort of necessary rhyme or reason as to why that's happening. Uh, just in terms of the fundraising, uh, we've got a snapshot into that late last week. Uh, we saw some figures, Small Rooney coming out with some very, very strong numbers in a short amount of time. 
uh, with Doug Ford trailing considerably. Um, but you, you, you mentioned volunteers, and that's a lot of what campaigns are, um, volunteers who actually don't get paid whatsoever. Uh, each team will have staff members that they're responsible for paying, but all of that's negotiated internally, um, and it's, uh, you know, it's difficult to, uh, to give you a concrete answer on that one. Jerry Nichols? Well, yeah. When you're talking about a leadership campaign, like I worked in the United States in primaries. They're a completely different animal. They got a lot of money there. You can hire staff. You can do all kinds of stuff. Here in Canada, there's not a lot of money in political parties for that kind of stuff. So a lot of it depends on having sort of a good ground game. A lot of these elections are won on who has the best organization, who has the best you know, people to get out there and sign membership, who can get people to vote when they're supposed to vote. And that's, a lot of that is just volunteers. A lot of that is hard work. And that's essentially why Patrick Brown won the leadership when he did. Is he had a great organization. He just outworked everybody. So, yeah, uh, I think that's one of the interesting things about this race is who has the best organization. We know some people have famous names. Uh, we know some people have experience. Some don't have experience. But I think the, the key will be who has, that, who has that sort of infrastructure to get the vote out. Um, I guess my point is... Why en masse? Okay, one or two, why didn't they go to Elliott or Ford? Why did they all, and I repeat, I, all go to Mulroney? Do we know that to be a fact, though, that they all went? I mean... Yeah, is that not correct? That, I'd have no way of knowing. Either one of you care to speculate? Because I think it would only be that unless... I, he, I, I think maybe she's referring to the staff. Yeah. Um, uh, went to Moroni, and, I, and I'm not sure how many did. Um, of course, there's, there's all kinds of conspiracy theories floating around, um, you know, that, that Brown was kind of, and this is, I think, you know, Patrick Brown is trying to sort of fuel this himself, is that he was kind of, there was kind of a coup, you know, within the party, and they wanted somebody else to lead the party. Um, so that's just another little plot twist and an already, you know, story that's full of interesting twists. Yeah, that that's what I'm saying. I didn't like, uh, why didn't they go to Ford? Uh, and, like, maybe you can find out or give us information later. Did any go to Ford or Elliott? Uh, did all of them go to Mulrooney? And uh, I don't believe in coincidences. Well, what would it matter how many did go? I mean, does it really matter to find out at, at this but, point? But why? Well, they all obviously would all have their, their reasons, however many went. Oh, yeah, I know, but you still, uh, like, like I said, I don't believe in coincidences. And if there was an en masse to Mulrooney, why, why not to the other two? Well, maybe Patrick Brown will have something to say, Joyce, uh, okay. when he joins us uh, tomorrow, and uh, listen I, to that. Okay, okay thank, thank you. you for your time. Thank you, Joyce from Scarborough. Uh, guys, let's pretend we're in Vegas, and I think you know where I'm going with this, right? So let's put a gentleman's bet on a few things. First, the leadership. And, uh, okay, eeny, meeny, miny, mo. Uh, Jerry. Uh, Ashton, you have the uh, luxury of thinking about this a little more. Um, Jerry, do you like Patrick Brown's odds to reclaim or uh, too early or you don't even want to go there? Well, you know what? When you're talking about a race with five people in it, um, anything can happen because there's going to be all kinds of ways the vote can split up, right? So you can win, you can win this by you know, getting just 30% of the vote or something like that. That makes it really impossible to predict. I'll tell you this, though. 
Uh, Brown does have a network within the party. He still has his supporters within the party. He still has that name. So I wouldn't cut him out. I would still say, though, the odds-on favorite, to my mind, is Christine Elliott, if only because she's the dullest candidate in the race. And I think a lot of PCs might say, you know what, Ford is too out there. Brown has too much baggage. Mulroney doesn't have enough experience. I'm going to go with the safe choice. So I think that's going to help her ultimately. Ashton? Yeah, just a small point of clarification. So we're, we're talking about a ranked ballot, so ultimately somebody's going to have to get over 50%. But uh, from my perspective, there are three candidates in the race with a legitimate chance of winning, and Patrick Brown is not one of them. Uh, those three would be Doug Ford, Caroline Mulroney, and Christine Elliott. Uh, I think this is going to require more than one ballot. So echoing what Jerry was saying, I don't think anybody's going to be able to reach 50 off the first go and take this outright. I think it's going to be a little bit more of a dogfight than that. Uh, and conveniently, I also think that these three candidates will be best positioned to take on Kathleen Wynne and Andrea Horvath in the general election. Okay, Jerry, a recent poll, and of course there are going to be many between now and Election Day, showing that despite everything the Tories are going through, most voters would still pick them over the others to govern. Surprised or not? I'm not surprised. I mean, we're at the point now where um, the Ontario election uh, electorate is what I call a rejectionist mood. In other words, they just don't like Kathleen Wynne, and they want to vote against Kathleen Wynne. So if the PCs nominated, nominated as their leader a broom with a bucket on top of it, it would probably pull better than Kathleen Wynne right now. Uh, so I think this is the silver lining for the Conservative Party, is as long as they don't nominate a leader named Kathleen Wynne, I still think they're going to be competitive, despite all the nonsense that's going on right now. Ashton? Yeah, they're certainly going to be competitive, uh, and this is why I was sort of uh, speaking earlier about uh, an important decision that the Ontario uh, Progressive Conservative Executive has to make with respect to Patrick Brown's nomination. Look, there's two entities which benefit from a quasi-civil war within the Ontario PC party, and it's Kathleen Wynne's Liberals and Andrea Horvath's NDP. Uh, obviously, that's not something the PCs want, and if we relieve recent polling, like you were alluding to, this isn't something that the average Ontarian wants. You can go to any coffee shop on the corner in any part of this province, and the prevailing theme that people are echoing has changed. It's Enough is enough. The Liberals have had their shot. The province is not going in the direction that they were hoping. It's time for a change, and the uh, Ontario PCs are still in a very good position to capitalize, uh, capitalize on this, even after everything that's happened. It's quite remarkable. Okay, we've got uh, Sharon from Hamilton with a comment on this. Uh, Sharon, welcome, and we're running out of time, so please make your point. Um, how come Patrick Brown was blamed for for um for the sex scandal that they said that that he was he got blamed for it why was that well i'm not sure the point that you're trying to make the allegations have been made uh, and this has not gotten to court he has not been charged with anything so what is your point sharon i'm I, it's lost on me sorry okay the point is is he going to is he going to is he going back into to leadership. Well, just to wrap it up here, he is hoping to get his job back. That's correct. He's one of five that hopes to uh, be the leader come uh, come March 10th when they announce that. Okay, we're going to have to let you go. You can call back Friday, Sharon, if you wish to expand on that, maybe even tomorrow, because guess who's going to be here? Patrick Brown is going to be on Zoomer Radio's Fight Back with Libby's Nimer. At this time, I would uh, like to Ask the two of you very quickly, Ashton first, and then uh, Jerry. We were talking about does he win 
the uh, does he win the leadership and then uh, both of you are of the opinion it'll it'll be someone else okay say that's the case going forward now into june are we who would have thought back back in the day that bob ray would have been premier right and then do we see this possibly with andrea in other words uh uh, would there be a warning? Don't be so sure that she might not have a shot. Well, I always say about Andrea Horvath, uh, people like her personally, but they're not uh, willing enough to give her a chance to see her govern. I think uh, ultimately her election campaigning is going to be everything for that party's chances. If she stands up well in the debate, Kathleen Wynne and whoever uh, the Ontario PC uh, party leader is, she's got a legitimate shot. Uh, and a lot of that starts on the ground. They've got to make sure they nominate good candidates, and they've got to make sure that they have their machinery in place to get people out to vote for them. Does Andrea Horvath have a chance at winning? Absolutely she does. Uh, she's benefiting from all of this turmoil, uh, perhaps more so than anybody else. Nobody says they're, they want to change from Andrea Horvath. So um, right now she's in a great position. Perhaps that party, uh, that, the best position that party's ever been in. So um, the campaign is going to be everything to her uh, ultimate uh, Chances. Okay, and real quick, uh, we do have to go. Jerry, what do you think? Well, I agree with Ashton. I think this has given the NDP an amazing opportunity to sort of say, we're not win, we're not PCs. If you're looking for change, we're the right option. The question is, can the NDP take advantage of that opportunity? We'll see. Jerry Nichols, Ashton Arsenault of Crestview Strategy. Gentlemen, thank you. And again, if not with myself, with Libby, I'm sure we'll talk again. Thank you. Thank All you. right. Talk to you later. Take care. Reminder, Patrick Brown will be on Zuma Radio's Fight Back with Libby's Nimer tomorrow. But for now, thanks to producer Michelle Saunders, our technical producer, Myrna Trogerlich. The number one's at one with Norm Edwards coming up after the news with Christine Ross, which follows traffic. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads. Idea City on the air and The Garden Show.